BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All right. Uh, welcome, welcome, everyone, to another episode of Geek Vibes Interview brought to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Dom Fisher, and today I have with me an OG in the film game. He's a writer, mm-hmm. a director, and a producer. He's attached to such films as A Nightmare on M Street 2, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Trekkies, Piranha 3DD, Phantoms, Dracula 2000, just to name a few. Here to talk about his new film, My Best Worst Adventure. Please welcome Joel Soissons. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good How to be you here. Doing, I'm doing all right, especially now. <laughs> um, this, like, before we, you know, we go to like the, the your career, I want to talk about this, this new film, uh, which just released digitally September 1st, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if, if someone was to look at your catalog, um, this is very different than other films that you've been a part of. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy that you, you made this film because I've wanted for a long time, like recently, uh, I've been watching a lot of um, foreign films and I was like, I wish there was a film that is able to tell a story without having to say that much because the story is so universal and then boom, you make this film that does just that. The, there's not a, a ton of dialogue, but the, the feeling and the, and the movements and the connection that you can feel um, tells a story mm-hmm. without having to need, you know, the, if you didn't know uh, people, the, the, the film is, um, is, it, is it, was it filmed in Thailand? It was filmed in Thailand, yes. Okay, and then the, the dialogue we do see is, is mainly Thai uh, with a little bit of English, but you don't need to see the dialogue to understand what's going on. So what was that process like when you were writing this to, to shoot it this way? Well, uh, I got to take you on the road with me because you explained everything exactly how I had, had um, wanted it to, 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 to be done and unfold. Uh, I'm going to give a little, little giveaway of how old I am. Uh, <clears throat> the first movie that I, I actually wrote and produced uh, was a film starring Lillian Gish. And for some people that goes way back, uh, she was one of the probably top five, if not the top two or three silent film stars of her day. And um, <clears throat> to go back and watch those silent movies that she, she starred in and, all, and other ones is, it's magical. 
because we lost a little bit when, when talkies came into being. We lost the ability to show ourselves through the visual medium of film and, and not just hear what was going on. And um, dialogue takes so much of that away. So much of the art and the, and the, and the vitality of it is, is, in my opinion, often lost in, in words. And she, she taught me like first up, she was like 98 <laughs> when I worked with her, but she just taught me the value of the silent image and what a, what a gifted actor can convey without those words. And I kept that with me for what, like 40 years that I've been, been slogging through this industry, making different films and, um, and finally got my chance to almost do it. And the, the, the hook into it for me was that the two leading characters, both um, young teenagers, 12 and 13, never speak a word. And that they're, they're both lost souls in their own way. One is a transplant from Los Angeles who just doesn't know the language and, and can't communicate. Um, and the other one is this poor mute local kid who's just lived a hellish life and they kind of escape together on this adventure. And it, it for me, it's just transporting and magical and a little scary and kind of funny. And, um, and it allowed me to do all the things I've ever wanted to do in the last four decades that I never got to, which is tell an intimate story about real people in a horrific situation and still making us smile. And, uh, so far, it's been just an amazing experience just watching audiences respond to it. And, and you know, we're 100% on the tomato meter. I've never had a movie that even got to 60%. So um, that alone is just stoking the heck out of me. And um, I just, yeah, I want people to see it because it's the movie I'm, I'm by far, I think, the most proud of that I've ever done in my life. Yeah, and, and I think that another aspect of it is Timing is is very pivotal, right? For for a film, sometimes mm -hmm. you know the you want to drop something before someone drops something similar or uh, whatever the case may be. But this one, without having to be about um, quarantining or about COVID, you get this character who suffered a loss in in, in Jenny, and like you said, she she doesn't want to speak. She's going through all these emotions. She's angry. Um, and I think a lot of people with our situation currently can relate to that and kind of see how she finds her way with this other character can find some kind of like, you know, can relate. And also like, maybe I've been too hard on myself for this situation. Maybe I can find that light in the tunnel through something I didn't completely expect, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure, and and um, it is about it is about that, and it's about um, you know what COVID has done to us, along with a whole lot of other stuff at the same time, is divided us into these camps where you know nobody like crosses the the border, real or imagined, between people, and um, um, that happens culturally within our own country, obviously. And it also happens internationally with, with 
these artificially drawn borders, which you always hear astronauts, the first thing they remark of on when they reach outer space is they look back and realize there's no borders at all. And that's kind of also what this movie's about. It's this, this, this kind of angry, self-obsessed LA kid. Um, never seen one of those before. Um, and making her realize that this alien planet so to speak, that she landed on, lands on is not full of monsters and weird, weird predatory people. They're people with hearts and minds and gifts, and they're just fascinating, wonderful people that she ultimately finds out that, that they all have good in them. And um, that, so that, that's sort of the underlying message is this sort of bringing together of people and cultures and, and understanding and understanding without words because words can sometimes get in the way of this yeah i i really like that 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 opening scene where she's sitting and then you know looks over and you know she's like why are you you know eating a eating a bug and <laughs> it kind of just sets you in just like okay so she's kind of this fish out of water situation so you it kind of it really sets the scene in a big way of like what you're getting into and uh, especially like just a lot of the uh it's a, it's very shocking when you know having to without giving too much away go just end up being put in places where you may feel like you uh are part of this culture in a way but don't know anything about it don't know the language so it's it's crazy how it mes- matches up where she doesn't want to speak but even if she wanted to it might not help at all anyway. No, because everybody around her is speaking like the parents in the Peanuts movie. It's just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, and it's gibberish for her. Um, so you have to connect on a different level or you don't survive. And um, and there's also, also several elements of survival in this. I mean, th- this whole backdrop is uh, set against um, the sport of buffalo racing, which is itself a really trippy thing that I discovered that the ties do in, in the rural backwaters of the country where um, kind of the rules are different. And, you know, eight-year-old kids can be riding on top of stampeding buffaloes. And the parents are like, well, I guess, you know, if we lose a couple from getting trampled. You know, that's <laughs> that's sports, <laughs> right? Um, but it, it was just insane that that sport is just I'm sorry, I'm, I'm showing my cultural bias, but it's insane. And uh, it was so um, ridiculously nutty that I had to document it before this sport disappears, which I think progress in modern, you know, basketball and, and uh, football and baseball are going to ultimately just wipe it out. But this is a sport that needs to be seen. It's yeah. just too nutty to, to disappear. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where, you know, as, as in, in in America, we steer clear of anything that's bigger than us, and you have this this young man who's like very small, probably like sixty pounds, on this like eight hundred nine hundred pound animal that could easily just toss him whenever it wants to. But there's that connection that uh, it makes the movie that much more special because it's something that you don't see very often, um, especially in person. I mean, unless you live on a ranch or a farm, you're not gonna see 
a child and this giant beast just like sleeping on each other and like their best friends. Um, so what, what, um, it was that experience you had seeing that, was that why you chose uh, Thailand as the backdrop for this story? Yeah, it, it actually, I was in Thailand in Bangkok, totally opposite experience, the city and the, this, the crush of people and all the things that aren't in this movie. But um, the producer of that film, who was Thai, is Thai, um, wonderful woman uh, named Cheryon Tavornan uh, was telling me about her own life growing up in like northern Thailand near the Cambodian border, one of those just little villages which you would never have, you'd never see it on the tourist map, let's say that. Um, and she's the one that was telling me that this was her experience growing up. It's like, it's like if, if you or me were growing up on a farm and we just had like horses, you know, and we rode horses and nothing, nothing special about that. And we jump them and we race them and we sometimes fall off. Well, they, they, the central animal in their, their, their world is, is the water buffalo. It's how they, they, you know, farm. It's how they, they get things transported. It's, it's their cars, their trucks, their tractors, everything rolled into one. And it's their, their family pet. It's everything to them. So to, to understand the connection of animal and human being in a different context uh, than the one we're familiar with, also just sort of for me reinforces that universal thing that most of us have which is this this magical love of animals and this way that we can communicate with them again silently but but effectively yeah and 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 like you said with the it being so universal you know i recently heard a quote that like plays through my head all the time when i'm watching a film when i'm reviewing a film and it's like stories that are um, so specific that they're you know they become universal and that's what this film does I mean it's 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 a it didn't seem initially like it was like supposed to be a family film but that's what it is you know it's you know with there being um, all the context being silent uh, and personal it makes it to where um, children can easily understand what's going on um, because they you know of course they understand more things than we give them credit for sure. because they watch and listen to everything. Um, but I think it's something that they can really latch onto with, along with the, especially nowadays, you know, she's trying to journal and you have this, you know, being that she's sees the, as, as a representation that kind of follows her. And then the adventure of being kind of lost, but being okay, being lost. It's, there's a lot, it's, a, it's really good, man. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's it's trying to work on a lot of levels. And one of the things that personally has always bothered me about family films is that they're a lot of them are really good for kids, but the parents have to suffer through them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because okay, kid wants to watch this again for the fourth time, and oh man. I love Little Mermaids as much as anyone, but come on, this, this is killing me. Um, and this one, I really think is it it falls under that kind of umbrella of family film, good for children. But I I wanted to write and direct something that I would watch, even without children. You know, right. just like sit down and have a good good time for an evening's entertainment. So. 
that's that's another thing that I'm kind of proud of about this thing is that it it doesn't just stick and settle in that that basket, you know, a family film. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like this is one of those films that could help reshape kind of what a family film is supposed to be. It doesn't have to be super lighthearted, campy type of thing where there's all kind of silly stuff going on because our life is, you know, has more substance than just this willy nilly thing that goes on. And you're so, right, kids kids are aware of that. And they, they cop onto it in, in subtle ways that they probably don't necessarily indicate all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my stepson has definitely said some things. I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, watching and, you, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to, to change gears just a little bit, you have a very um, long career. And when I'm looking at all these titles, um, I was looking at your IMDb page and it's, it's crazy to see what you're attached to, the things that are like these big cult classics, things that people want remade um, all the time. Is there like, did you know, I mean, I know you didn't know exactly when you were making them, but how far uh, into the future did you know, like, I made something that's going to last forever, become this, these big cult classics? You know, that's, that's a great question, because um, looking back, it's kind of obvious which ones we're going to live and which ones we're going to fade away. Um, and you do get a kind of a, an inkling. You, there, there's this sense, you know, probably midway through the shoot that there's some kind of alchemy going on there that's going to result in something that's that will be lasting. Um, and I've certainly felt that on a lot of the ones that did. A couple times on a couple that didn't. And um, I can ascribe that either to my bad judgment, which I certainly can own up to. <laughs> but often also films are creatures of a time and a place. And um, you know, for instance, and, and, and luck. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, for example, is one um, that uh, almost didn't happen even after we made it because the, the, the executives who uh, we made it for, about as old as I am now, watched the movie, which was totally about a youth experience, right? And a very specific youth experience of, you know, of that particular uh, moment. And, I, I, I was part of that, that culture at the time. <laughs> and, um, um, but they hated it. They absolutely loathed the movie and, and refused to even put it out. So they just basically fobbed it off onto some little tiny independent company that like would, you know, wow, here's a movie. Let's, let's like see what we can do with it. And they actually put it in front of a real audience. Just gambled a little bit of pocket change to see what it would a real audience would say, not a bunch of dour executives going, you know, right. um, what have we done here? It tested through the roof. It, people went nuts and it became sort of a, a, a bit of a classic, I think. And, you know, we just had a, a remake, you know, this year. Yeah. And, um, but that's where we all thought we were making something magical. And then it just turned out to be almost stillborn. And um, if it hadn't been for that little company believing in the film after the, the, the big parent company 
was ready to toss it into the into the scrap heap, um, there wouldn't be no Bill and Ted's Second Adventure. It would it would just not have um, a history whatsoever. So so it, it is fragile. Even good films are these very kind of ephemeral things that 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 may disappear if 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 you blink. So um, I never take anything for granted in this business. You know, you, you just got to keep pushing and pushing even when when it looks like it's going nowhere. Yeah, and, and, and especially because you you started in the industry when it, it, it kind of started exploding and being more creative. Um, it, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, I'm sure initially trying to have these ideas it's like, I don't even know if I can pitch this because it sounds crazy, but like, I think <laughs> it come together good, but like, who do I tell and how are they going to receive it? Or are they going to like, you're, you're nuts, man. You got, you got to go, you know? So <laughs> bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at bet MGM, simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Well, the pitch is an amazing talent because, um, you know, you're always going to be up against people who are inclined to say no. Right. That's their default reaction right. that most of us encounter daily and, and um, second by second in the film industry. And so you got to find a way into what they like. So, you know, if it's a, if it's a movie about, you know, a, a rom-com about, people uh, having a series of dinner dates together but the but the um the executive is a baseball fanatic then you're going to be <laughs> oh, pitching okay. this scene where they go to the baseball game and you know stuff goes nuts you, you just got to know your way in yeah and the art of that pitch and that making that connection to people is is essential and some people are really really good at it i'm i'm getting there but it's taken me like decades to even figure out how to it's because it's a psycho it's a psychological game right it, you, you got to sort of know your opponent especially when you want to tell a story that maybe hasn't been seen or take place somewhere where they're like i mean i don't know people find that attractive or sexy. Or yeah, exactly. There's that famous, you're so right. There's that famous thing where some studio exec years back brought this writer in, this very famous writer, and won't mention names, but um, the studio exec goes, I want, I'm so tired of the same old thing. Everybody's copying everybody. I'm hating it. I want something new, fresh. We've never seen it before. Uh, 
that's what you got to give me. What, what, what do you got? Just something really, really original. And the guy goes, blah, 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 blah. And it was just totally that, right? And the executive sits back and he looks at him and he goes, yeah, but what's it like? Because, you know, he can't wrap his head around something <laughs> that really is an original yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it has to be like, you know, um, um, you know, Star Wars yeah, part, yeah. part two. You know, it, it's just that's where we're stuck. Yeah, and some I, sometimes people break out of that, but yeah, it's I, can, I can imagine, you know, especially now with like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm with Geek Vibes Nation, so we we cover everything Marvel DC all the time. So mm -hmm. I know that if I was, you know, one to pitch something, like, look, it's just like Batman, except it's not <laughs> Batman, but it's Batman, just different name. I, you know, yeah, and, Bat Guy. <laughs> but then trying to come with something like completely opposite like well is that gonna make us a billion dollars like i mean i don't know man it's, it's a good idea yeah. <laughs> well that's that is the domain of the independent film right because you you've got now this new universe where everybody can make a feature on their iphone which on the one hand is like super daunting for guys like me going i would like when I started my career, there were 50 feet, uh, independent feature films made. Now there's like 20,000 in a year. And so um, my, my uh, field of competitors has, has gotten a little bigger. But at the same time, it's, com it's competition, not just for money and, and you know, the big name actors and all the, all the access to this and that. It's about the, the competition of ideas again. If you have something that is a really great original, compelling idea. Unlike when I started, you can do it. If you have the, some, a little bit of initiative and perseverance, you can do it. Yeah. And it's like writing a novel. We can all do it. We all have the laptop. We can all type words. Now it's not about the access to the laptop. It's about the, the, the quality of the words. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, you're very, very right. Uh, and I think that's, that's why that your new film, I think that's why it, it does stand out is because it, I mean, initially it felt like a, a breath of fresh air and I was like, oh yeah, this is what I need because, mm -hmm. you know, is films can be good, but then once you, you kind of know what it is, you're like, I don't, I mean, I liked it, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, you know what I mean? Like it, it gets, it gets kind of disheartening at times because I, I remember reviewing some films uh, last year and there was three of them within like two weeks and they were all the same movie. And oh, yeah. it became kind of hard because I, I don't like to compare a film to another films, but when they're that similar, I was like, I kind of have to a little bit just to let you know that like, okay, if all these are John Wick, then... Mm -hmm only one of these can be the actual John Wick and the other ones are going to be something a little less, lesser than, you know, it's, it gets difficult uh, as, as a viewer. Um, yeah, no, no. <laughs> if, you, if you go out and pitch that, I, I have this really dour dude that speaks in a really low register of his voice. And all he does is wear a long coat and kick people's asses. I think we're going to get, you know, that's a, that's a pitch that people are going to want to listen to, right. you know. Um, and it, and every time he punches the guy and he he flies backwards and lands in a building and the building collapses and and we're going to have all sorts of great CG. I love I love watching 
digital mayhem. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, who doesn't like yeah, to see yeah, a city yeah. level by whatever. Um, but, you know, I want to do a film about the, the guy in the, in the, the back room that, you know, Superman punched a guy and he went into my building and it collapsed all around me. Now I'm stuck in a, a broom closet just trying to survive. Like, what happened? Nobody ever worries about them. They just like go on with the, the main movie. But um, yeah, some of it is just like at, at a certain point, we need to have a different spin on these genre films. We, we, gotta, yeah. we gotta get a perspective going that's a little fresh here. Um, so uh, is it where you started, was it with Dimension and the Weinstein Company or was that like a little bit after you started? I, uh, I had been working uh, uh, a number of years um, in, I did the um, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, 2 for New Line and a guy named Dino De Laurentiis and uh, briefly for a company called um, Canon Films, I think. Um, and anyway, bounced around, did a film called The Prophecy with Christopher Walken, um, which is incidentally probably my favorite genre movie that I've ever done. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's crazy. It's about the angel Gabriel played by Walken mm -hmm. who decides to, uh, uh, he get, gets pissed off at God because God seems to be favoring mankind over the angels. And so he gets a little jealous. And so he's looking to eliminate human beings, which is not really what God had in mind. And so there's a whole little dust up going on. And uh, bottom line is, is uh, Gabriel, it looks like since he's been booted out of heaven, is on the verge of, of creating a new hell. And so who comes to, to save and rescue the humans is Viggo Mortensen as Satan going, hey, wait a minute. Um, look, I'm, I'm, I'm fine for staying out of this, except I don't want anybody creating a second hell because that's like stepping on my toes. And so there's all this kind of crazy stuff going on that, yeah. that is, is completely backwards from our, our appreciation of the Bible and, and the gospel and all that stuff. So um, anyway, we made this film and um, had a lot of great, great actors in it. And it, it was just really well done by uh, my uh, uh, partner who directed it, uh, Greg Wyden um, at the time. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, that's what Dimension picked that film up. And that's when I started to work for Dimension and uh, became pretty close with Bob Weinstein, the, the other brother. Right. <laughs> um, I did work briefly with the, the brother who's more in the news at the moment. Um, the Baltimore of the brothers. <laughs> yes, the, 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 the more notorious brother. And... Uh, but he fired my sorry, but um, like the first weekend, we did not click. And so um, I spent the next, oh, must have been 15, 20 years working at Dimension, making sure not to bump into Harvey in the hallways because I was afraid he'd point out to his brother, hey, wait, what, what's that guy doing in, in my, my <laughs> building? I fired him. You know, and, and I go, well, okay, I'll just sneak into this little room here as he goes by and uh, saunter back out in the hallway when he's gone. It was almost like cat and mouse for 20 <laughs> years. But we made a lot of good films at the, you know, during that period. And a lot of them were, you know, those genre films, the, the, the Hellraisers and the Pulses and the Draculas and the, oh man, even some 
children of the corn, probably way too many children of the corns, but um, they were sort of fun little larks to, to play around with. Um, so yeah, they were some good years, but I really had to get away from that at a certain point because it is kind of like, you know, punching out wax fruit after a while. Um, it's not the real thing. It's like <laughs> sequel number 11, do we really need it? You kind of <laughs> got to ask yourself. And I was sort of getting to that point of, of feeling it was all getting a bit stale. It's, it was what's really interesting um, is that you help make films that millions of people have tattoos of characters from those movies. Like I have a, <laughs> I have a Freddy glove right here, if you can see Oh, it. nice. Oh, I should have kept my Freddy glove. I would have sent it to you. I think you would have dug it. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, there, you know, whether, you know, you feel that there was a lot or not of some of these films, like, you know, I have a lot of uh, friends who, like me, love, love horror uh, films. And, I mean, I see Freddy. I see, I mean, I just talked to, um, uh, one of the guys from uh, Children of the Corn not that long ago. Um, I mean, these are films that like, they're going to last a long time. I mean, I'm part of some horror groups on like Facebook. Man, mm -hmm. it's one of them is specifically 80s horror. So it's referenced, stuff like that is referenced all the time. Um, but being now like, or, or going forward, once you uh, left um, Dimension, the Weinstein Company, was it hard to have that name on your that you know that company name on your resume going to do other things with other companies uh the dimension name or the weinstein name you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um no because um you know i was never Huh, how do I put this? I, I wasn't a part of the, the studio. I was a hired hand, essentially. Oh, okay. So so when they wanted to make a movie, um, particularly a, a, a genre film, horror, comedy, action, teen sort of stuff, um, they would. I had a company of my own called Neo Art and Logic, and they would call me and I would round up my troops and we'd go off and make the movie and they'd finance it. But there was always that sort of arm's length. That wasn't yeah, ever yeah, really... Yeah a dimension guy and so there was wasn't a lot to have to explain i mean if you, if you eliminate all the people that worked with the weinstein company over the years uh and just got got rid of them it would be great for all the up-and-comers because there'd be a whole lot of shoes to fill you know a lot of empty ones because pretty much everybody cycled through there at one point or another either with harvey or with bob or both yeah and they have their stories and, and wounds to show for it but um yeah it was a rite of passage for a lot of us yeah and it's a good thing that it seems like a lot of people did keep them at arms he's like hey i, I got <laughs> to like stay over there yeah you know what um it the, the only thing and i'm not going to get on a, a rant about this but right. um i do think it's unfortunate and it, it has to do with not just bob and harvey weinstein it happens with a lot of people is that you know we often get blamed for what those who are close to us do that are not necessarily our responsibility or or even in our knowledge sphere. I mean, I, I don't hold Bob responsible for what his brother did and yet the collapse of everything that was had the Weinstein name on it, um, his, his brother destroyed everything. Right. 
essentially. And I think that's kind of what I guess they call in warfare collateral damage, right, right. you know, when somebody gets hit by the shrapnel and they weren't even the target. And so, um, you know, Bob had his, his um, detractors. I mean, he was a difficult guy to work with um, for sure, but um, he was not a predator. Yeah. He was not in any way, he, everything, whatever tantrums or emotions he, he put out there, it was because he wanted his film to be better. Right. And if, if, if I know somebody's doing it for a purpose, if somebody's being emotional or, or you know, aggressive for that end, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it. If somebody is being, you know, egocentric, inward drawn tantrum, you know, I'm, I'm only in it for myself kind of thing, then, mm -hmm. you know, bye-bye. Yeah. I'll see you later. Um, are there, is there anything uh, from uh, those films that you made back then, is there anything that you uh, feel like that you may want to revisit because you want to branch off of the idea or you saw a character that could have been transformed in a better way? Oh my God, yes, on everyone practically. Um, <laughs> Not to the degree I hear that Woody Allen, who I've never had the, um, the luck to, to work anywhere near, but um, uh, he, he allegedly will finish a film and then insist on reshooting every frame because you get to the point, at, it's only after you see a scene or a movie or a cut or whatever that you realize what works and what doesn't and how much better it could have been done if you just moved the camera, if you just gave the actor this line or this intention or whatever, and then you just, oh man, and then you just go to sleep and it haunts you in your dreams and you wake up and you're just like fuming and kicking yourself because you only have yourself to blame mostly. And so, yes, I, I can't think of anything that I wouldn't want to just redo in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's uh, I, I, I do the same thing. I, I'll, I'll write a review, and then I'll be like, "Oh, I forgot to say this one thing." Well, it's too late now, but maybe I'll tweet it, and then I don't because Twitter's hard. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. oh man, this has been going for a minute. <laughs> this is great. Um, I guess I'll try to round it out. Um, so I have a I have a fun question that I like to ask. Um, mm -hmm. If you were to be a cartoon character, what would your everyday outfit be? My everyday outfit? Oh, it would be, um, it would be, you know, the, 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 the bubble wrap that you have to, yeah, yeah. I'd be wearing bubble wrap because I just love this idea that I could go anywhere and just like walk in front of cars or, or. <laughs> just jump off a building or and just like bounce i want to be able to bounce right. if i could wear wear something that had that ability i would be just like somebody could take a swing at me like bring it on you know <laughs> um where can uh everyone find you on social media if you're on social media i am on twitter as joel swasson s-o-i-s-s-o-n -S -S i think it's at right i'm not really good with social media and <laughs> Our film uh, is at my best worst ADV. I don't know why we didn't finish out the last word, but um, I'll leave that to whoever built built the. It was my wife that built that, actually. She did, it. but um, 
she'll answer to that. And and we have a Facebook page, um, uh, My Best Worst Adventure. Uh, we're on IMDb. You can catch, you know, all the all the the, the sausage making that went into it is all listed in on IMDb and some reviews and stuff. And and I think you know if you can find the film with your little uh, Google devices, you know, just like type in the name My Best Worst Adventure, and something will come up that will access you to get the film. We're we're on uh, pay per view this month, and I think we start streaming next month or the month after, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. Um. This was great, man. Um, everyone, make sure you check out uh, My Best Worst Adventure. It's definitely worth your time because uh, I know we're all in need for uh, some st substantial storytelling, and you know, this is it. Um, I, I love this this interview. Just sit down, like it, it just felt like we can, you know, especially because it wasn't a time constraint. So we got to really yeah. just uh, talk it up. Um, that was a great time, man. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, everyone check out the movie. Uh, it's out now digitally. And um, until next time, man, uh, can't wait to see what you're gonna do next. All right. Well, I got another one coming up uh, with uh, Danny Trejo, if you've ever oh, heard of him. Oh yeah, I like Danny. Kind of uh, an ageless one. <laughs> the ageless one. Yes, and and he only gets better looking every day. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking for it. We're shooting that in a week and it's called Seven Cemeteries. Uh, so watch out for that one. Okay. I think you'll like it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, hopefully we can talk when that uh, is ready. and prepared. Hopefully we'll be back to talk about that for sure. Because yeah. I, I, I just love talking with you, Don. Um, I appreciate so, it, man. Dominique? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, man, until next time, uh, we appreciate your time. See you later. Take care, man. All right. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.